A quick disclaimer before we get started. Pushing the A is not sponsored by anyone, nor is it approved by Maureen Menard, so thank you for fighting the system. You already know what's happening. And welcome back to Pushing the A. With me, your host, Will. Still hanging out in period five. Heading on to chapter 17. Which you may remember from reading in November if you are, in fact, from the Edinburgh School. If you are not... From the Edmund Burks, when you're listening to this podcast, something has gone incredibly wrong. Don't know why I want you back with the right music for this choice, but... It is now. We're going to be talking about Chapter 17 today. Um, The structure of this period, Chapter 16 is basically slavery reviews, 17, 18, 19 are compromises and events that led up to the explosion of civil war. And chapters 20 and 21 look at it in two ways, 20 from an economic standpoint and 21 from the standpoint of the battles and the wars and the fights. Equally fun. Let's get to it. So the year is 1841, if you can believe it. The Whigs are tired of running for office and... uh, not winning, and they want jobs in the White House, so they deal with William Henry Harrison. Quick note, we've already covered his election in a previous episode of Pushing Day, so we will not be giving him an air horn this time. Henry Harrison wins as a puppet for Webster and Clay, and then four weeks later, he dies. I'm going to do the air horn for that one. You didn't hear that. I'm sorry. It's late at night, and I don't want to wake people up. Um, John Tyler, who is on the ballot for states writers, um, kind of a Democrat, a minority Whig, uh, in the best case scenario, and he disagrees with the party on the bank and the tariff. Um, the Whigs introduce this idea for a new Bank of the United States um, and ending the independent treasury and. Tyler vetoes it because he personally thinks it is not constitutional. Then they try to introduce this idea of a fiscal corporation, which I don't know what it means, but he vetoes it, so it doesn't matter. Needless to say, uh, the Whigs hate Tyler. Uh, He can't go back to the Dems, who are disowned, uh, and everyone but Webster has resigned from his cabinet, so he is uh, a partyless president. Uh, The Whigs call him the executive ass. Tyler then vetoes their bills, which he can do because he's the president. The Whigs come back with a tariff of 1842, which um, the they, they, it sort of lowers the rates, I think, is what this says. Yes, I read this as rear S, which I was very confused about, but the rates is the word on this card. Uh, the rates went down. Uh, Tyler is okay with that. Um, the depression of 1837 is ending, so they take down duties a little, which makes sense. Um, Taking it way back to 1812 uh, in the American Revolution, uh, 
Oh boy, taking it way back to 1812 and the American Revolution. The American Revolution and the War of 1812. Fun fact, same war. Um, there have been bad U.S.-Britain relationships relations for a long time. The Federalists, who were the main pro-Britain voice in the country, are gone. And the writers are now fighting. Writer fight. You can imagine how well that went. I'm going to slap you in the face. Well, I'm going to hit you softly back. Oh. Um, they are fighting each other with words, unsurprisingly. So in travel books and journals and Charles Dickens... If you had great expectations for him, I'm really sorry. Thank you. Um, he gets involved in this. It's considered the third war with England. There's something to do with copyright royalties. Um, this also ties back to Canada in that... It ties back to Canada in that during the Canadian Revolution of sorts, uh, the United States has decided to help, and they sent Caroline... Uh, my sister, the other Caroline, um, across towards Niagara area. The British in 1837 then go and attack New York. Um, the U.S. make arrests. Um, McLeod, McLeod, don't know how to pronounce his name. They arrest him um, for treason. Uh, the British say, okay, if you kill him, we will go to war. This is in 1841. Um the Bahamas are also currently being used as an asylum for slaves, um, for the slave overtaken Creole, uh, which is a boat that slaves overtook. The long and the short is the British and the United States are not getting along well, um, and they're sort of thwarting each other at every turn. It's a very cute relationship that we can only assume ends up in a uh, romantic comedy with a wedding. I feel like I didn't explain that well. Um, Canadian Revolution... The U.S. sends help, uh, then they get attacked, they arrest a guy for attacking them. The British say, if you kill him, we go to war, and the Bahamas are being used. The British-controlled Bahamas, I should know, are being used as a slave asylum, which is raising questions over what if the Caribbean is used as a slave haven when slaves escape. More questions. There's also a dispute over the Maine border. Yep, that, that state, Maine. It's close to Ben and Jerry's. Um... The British want to build a road from don't know how to, Halifax? Halifax? It's a Canadian word. It doesn't matter. Uh, to Quebec. And they want to take it through this disputed territory in Maine. So the lumberjacks of Maine that consider themselves to be Americans fight the lumberjacks of Maine that consider themselves to be Canadian British. So... In the Aroostook River Valley, uh, local militias fight, and this could snowball. So the London uh, government sends uh, an amateur diplomat, Ashburton, uh, gets along well with Webster, and they split the difference. So there are 12,000 miles of land. The United States gets seven of them. The British get the land they need for the road. Uh, one thing the United States gets accidentally that they weren't really looking for is iron ore mines in Minnesota which is not a bad way to get some profit twice. Let's shift our gears to Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright. Um, Mexico, Texas has basically claimed itself to be independent. Mexico does not claim that Texas is independent. The United States is trying to stay neutral, um, but the Texans have 
and military, and they are fighting. The Europeans really hate depending on American fighters, so they are interested in this. They are watching very keenly. Texas begins to sign some treaties with these Europeans, so France and the Netherlands and Belgium all start negotiations with them, and the British have this grand idea. What if we help them gain their independence in totality, and in return, they are a puppet state for us, which would be huge for them to have suddenly control, basically, over a large area of where the United States is. In the election of 1844, Texas is this big problem. Uh, James Polk, the Democrat, beats Henry Clay the Whig, which means we have a new president in the White House. Thank you. Uh, Tyler, who is still in office, says, you know what? This is mandate for me. This is a mandate for me. Let's go get Texas. Um, the Senate and the House provide them a joint resolution that say, okay, yeah, Texas come on in. And in 1845, Texas does come on in. Um... Mexico never had a shot to get Texas back. They were weak, they were tired, and they knew that war was not a great idea with the United States. It's going to happen anyways, though, uh, which I think is something that probably they regret. From the Rockies to the Pacific, outside of Texas, in the American geography, it goes Appalachians, West Virginia, and Kentucky, directly to Texas, Directly to the Pacific. Uh, this is not how maps work. Ask Ryan Lipford if you need help. Um, from the Rockies to the Pacific, including Alaska, the British and the Ruskins, the Ruskins, the Russians and the Spanish and the Americans all have laid claim to this land at some point in time. Um, the Spanish and the Russians give in. They say, you know what? This doesn't really make sense for us to be celebrated separated slate um by an ocean or two from our land especially for the spanish so they both give in the british have already laid claim though to the land north of the columbia river and they occupied it um for the americans rob gray had explored that area in 1792 lewis and clark had been there before they had missionaries there so the two sides say you know this isn't worth fighting about it and they do a joint occupation through the anglo-american convention this is way back in the 1818 era 1820s um but coming back to the 1840s uh there are now about 5,000 americans south of the columbia river and the british have a little less than 700 so the united states takes over basically the land uh, from the columbia river to the 49th to the pacific um and the british get vancouver and all of vancouver island so, taking a closer look at the election of 1844, we're not going to do the air horn again. I won't subject you to that. Clay's Democratic. Clay is the Whig nominee. Polk is a Democratic nominee. He is very pro-Texas. Young Hickory is what they call him. Young Andrew Jackson. Uh, it's the beginning of Manifest Destiny, really. Um, Manifest Destiny basically is God gave us the right to the West. Um... God gives her to the entire country. America is destined to be a continental power. They are, there are some extreme sides of it. So, like, we want basically all of Mexico to now be Texas, or we want all of Canada to now be Oregon. Um, those parts don't obviously happen. 
Polk wins um, the election because the Liberty Party, which is an early abolition party, takes some votes away from Clay in New York. Tyler thinks he has a mandate for Texas. Tyler goes and gets Texas. So into the White House, after Texas has been acquired and entered into the Union, comes a lovely Mr. Polk. I think his first name is James. I do not remember. I very rarely wrote his name. He's not that important in the grand scheme. He's got this great four-point program, which is, number one, lower the tariffs. Number two, reestablish an independent treasury. Number three, get California. And number four, deal with Oregon. Gets the first one, the tariff thing done very easily. Um, the Walker tariff passes, which is named after a guy named Walker, not after people that are ambulatory. Uh, it goes from a 32% tariff to a 25% tariff, and this big financial boon occurs after uh, the Treasury becomes independent again in 1846. In Oregon, the Southern Democrats don't really care anymore about it after Texas. Um, so he just says to Britain, hey, do you want to just split on the 49th parallel? And the British and the Senate both are like, you know what, why not? Sure. Um, no one wanted to really fight another war. Neither of those sides really wanted to fight a war, and it seemed useless. Uh, this is in 1846, by the way. The Old Northwest, which was the Northwest and no longer the North Northwest, for a reason, because Oregon has just been purchased, is not happy, because suddenly they are now the middle of a country, and they are useless instead of being the west end of a country in which they were more useful to the rest of the country. Okay, I think it's time for some sponsorships and acronyms while we trudge through the 1840s before. It's, it almost feels like review. It's not really review. It's hard to know. Um, let's see. Sponsors of Pushing the A are... Oh man, we're really running low today. Um, ah, Ziploc. Ziploc bags. Ziploc stands for... Zoinks, I placed Larry's entendre, spelled with an O, correctly. Ziploc, when you want to place Larry's entendre correctly. Um, Expo markers, for when you want to expose the markers. Expo. They get exposed. Sponsors, um, uh, uh, brought to you by sponsor, film company Roller Service, sponsoring something. Nope, this is just the Wikipedia page for sponsor. All right, I think that's enough sponsors. So, Polk really wants California. Uh, specifically, he really wants San Francisco. There's fewer than 1,000 Americans in that area. There's 75,000 Indians, 13,000 Spanish Mexicans. Polk really wants it, though. Uh, so there's one major hurdle, and it is that U.S.-Mexican relations really suck. The Mexicans owe $3 million to the United States. Their loans have defaulted to them. There's the issue of Texas. Um, Mexicans... The Mexican government, rather, is threatening war if the U.S. gets Texas, and then they, the U.S. pulls its minister for them. So there's not really a diplomatic relationship between the two. Um, the border that Texas is claiming, Texas claims the Rio Grande. Polk says, okay, 
Uh, Texas claims everything east of the Rio Grande. Rio Grande. Polk says, sure, why not? Um, but now there's this no man's land between the old border and the Rio Grande. It's sort of ambivalent, ambiguent, ambivalent, and and uh, da, 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 da. there's a word for this, and I'm gonna get it right. Ambiguent, ambiguous, maybe. Yes, ambiguous is the word. Um, there's also this question of are the British about to buy California? James Polk sends John Slidell um, to the Mexican government because he just does not want to worry about the British potentially having California anymore. He says, go buy me California for $25 million. The Mexicans basically say, no, you may not come in. We are not at the phone right now. Please leave a message after the beep, which is behind the gates that you just came in. The point is that he's not allowed to negotiate. So... The U.S. Uh, wants to teach the Mexicans a lesson. The Mexicans want to show off their military prowess. So Polk in January 1846 sends Zachary Taylor, could be important later, um, and 4,000 troops from Nueces, which is the old Texas border, to the Rio Grande. Uh, and on May 4th, he tells Congress, let's declare war right now about the money and not letting our diplomat in. There's not really a reason for war. This is a fake reason for war. Then 16 Americans are killed uh, in Taylor's expedition in this in no man's land. And now Congress is like, okay, time for war. Um, the Whigs get in. Uh, Polk might have been the truth a little bit. Abraham Lincoln, who's just a congressman at this time, uh or not at this time, but later on, he's a congressman, and he passes the spot resolutions, which is, can we please have the actual spot where they died, and can we find out if this was actually U.S. territory they died on? Because we don't, it's unclear where they actually died. The book leaves it ambiguous, use that word again. Um, Polk probably knew and probably bent the truth, um, but Polk thought that California was vital to his agenda, and that the British really could not have it, but... It was him provoking the war. Polk wants a very limited war. Uh, Santa Ana, who's hiding somewhere, says, if you get me back into Mexico, I'll flip and we'll uh, surrender. And then he double-crosses them and pockets the money for himself, which he's never done before and won't do again. Just kidding, he does it before and he does it again. So the U.S. launches other operations. Stephen W. Kearney, Kearney's, uh brings 1,000, 1.7,000 troops on the Santa Fe Trail. John Fremont and some well-armed explorers overthrow the Mexican rule in California with some Navy help and local help, and they begin the California Bear Flag Republic, which is a dope name for a country, may I just say. Um, Zachary Taylor goes from the Rio Grande to the Mex... to Mexico, not to the Mex... Um, he goes to Buena Vista, uh, and then he's sort of pushed back, uh, the Mexicans and 25,000 men, and Taylor's able to hold them off with just 5,000 men. So, I see, he goes to Mexico, he gets some wins, and then he's forced back to Buena Vista, the Mexicans and 25,000 wins, and he's holding them off with 5,000. More on this great war. Uh, Senator Winfield, uh, in 18, an 1812 hero, and by Senator, of course, I mean General Winfield, Scott goes to Mexico with 
very few troops, bad conditions, a crappy army, and he somehow gets a big win in Mexico City in 1847 anyways. James Polk, after seeing this happen, says, okay, you know what, we're going to end this now. He sends this guy named Nicholas Trist, who accidentally bribes Santa Ana with $10,000. Don't know how you do that, but it happened. Polk is pretty pissed, so he calls him back and says, come back. And Trist responds with a 60-page letter on why he's going to stay. Uh, and he does stay, and he negotiates, and this is kind of, kind of badass. Um, he signs, he comes up with this treaty. It's the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. The United States officially has Texas with permission from Mexico. Um, they have the West to Oregon and the ocean, and that includes California, and they only have to pay $15 million. It's about half of Texas. Um, it really hurts the citizens of Mexico that were living in the area because they were suddenly forgotten under the United States government. Conscious Whigs um, and anti-slavery Whigs, rather, uh, in the Senate, they really hate war and they are ready to end it. So time was of the matter here. Time was of the essence here. So it makes sense that Trish got it done quickly and that he was not really willing to come back. He does get it done. Um, and the Conscious Whigs were ready to like stop sending supplies um, so he really had to move quickly. Some people wanted all of Mexico. John Calhoun says, you know what? It's time for all of you to chill. The Senate approves at 58 to 14. Um, James Polk, as a little thank you for your troubles, sorry for your troubles, gives the Mexican government $18 million, which I suppose which the book says is in the spirit of fair play. I don't really know what it means. So reviewing the Mexican-American War, which was what I just described, about 13,000 Americans die from disease mainly. Um, Mexico is pretty bitter afterwards, despite the treaty. Uh, relationships with Latin America and the United States take a hit. Uh, the United States is now seen as this colossus of the North, and they're greedy. The big thing, the big loss, not the big loss, but the big... New problems that slavery with all this new territory is now back in the avant-garde. See, told you it would come back to slavery. Um, abolitionists are like, we're not getting, we're not putting slaves in this land. The only reason you got this land was so you could just get more slave land, but we're not letting this happen. This is going to be free soil. Um, and most of the U.S. volunteers that had got this land, that had fought in this war, were from the South and West, but that was more a regional thing. That was less a, that was less like, oh, only people in the South and West care about this and more just, we're about to fight a war in the South and the West. Who can we find? I know. How about people in the South and the West? On the positive side, um, the U.S. land goes up. The amount of U.S. land, the land mass goes up by about 33%. A lot of war lessons on both sides for the Civil War. Lee, Grant, uh, both get their first look at war. The point of the West Point and the Navy and the Marines, they all get some decent experience. The Army does really well, and the different units of the armed forces begin to respect each other. Overall, though, slavery in the West is going to be this, I, this question of is there going to be slavery in the West? This is a tipping point. In the past, when the United States has been this localized area, half of the country, basically, half of the country as we know it today, it's like, okay, we can deal with this. We'll figure it out. Now that there's a question of all this new land and how it's going to be divvied up vis-a-vis -vis slavery, that's a tipping point that sends it in all to civil war. It's called Santa Ana's Revenge. Though he got $10,000, so who's the real loser here? Um, Wilmot 
in Congress. I don't know his full name. Let's find it because I feel like his name is pretty important. Wilmot. Nope, not Wilmo. Wilmot. David Wilmot. See, I thought it was it's D. Wilmot on here, but I don't know. Introduces the proviso. Proviso. He introduces a provision in uh, Congress. There's not going to be slavery in Mexico in the new territories we just got from Mexico or the new territories of Oregon. Um, all but one free state adapts this. All but one free state say we agree with this. Causes a little more controversy in the South, um, as well as it does in Congress. Okay, I think that is it. So, chapter 17 in summary. Polk is in office. He wants California and Oregon. He gets California and Oregon. Um, at the price, though, of reintroducing slavery into the national debate. And suddenly, there are all these questions that begin to rise again. And we're suddenly headed on this collision course towards civil war. There's going to be a civil war. I'm telling you this. Um, other minor things that happened. Um, uh, you know, your typical tariffs and bank stuff that are going to happen, that are going to change with every Democratic, Republican, Whig, whatever administration, that sort of stuff's going to change. Mainly it's Trudy of Guadalupe Hidalgo, Oregon, California, that stuff, and slavery's back in the national picture. So that's chapter 17. I'll be back tomorrow with chapters 18, 19, maybe 20 if I can find the time, depending on how it goes. Um, but I should have at least two more for tomorrow. Until then, hasta luego.